Lisa and I got engaged about 15 years ago, and um, and uh, we got we got engaged on the on the beach, and uh, Lisa's family knew about it. Well, Lisa's parents knew about it, but we're having this big like family breakfast. But we went first, and I was going to propose to to Lisa, and then come back to this family breakfast, and you know there would be like a little bit of a party, and um, and so I go. Th- through with the engagement, and Lisa's not the most expressive person. <laughs> I hope that's not an insult, Lisa. But you know, so I asked Lisa to marry me, and she just kind of like looks at me with this stunned face <laughs> for like a whole minute, and I'm just like, "Is that a yes or a no?" I don't know what's going on here. Please answer me. This is like really difficult. Anyway, so Lisa says yes, and then we we make it back to this family thing, this family breakfast, and Lisa's still like stunned, doesn't know what to say to her family. So we literally like walk to the family, and there's Lisa with this complete stunned face, which I mean she obviously was surprised, which was great. Uh, that part worked. But with this complete stunned face, she literally just walks like this. <laughs> and her sister's like, what are you doing? Oh, oh, what, what? And they started going crazy until Lisa's like, eventually like, we got engaged, you know. And um, yeah, I tell that story for a reason, believe it or not. Um, but... What does an engagement ring do? You, you kind of like want to show it off when you get engaged. You want people to see. It's, it's, you want to make public. You want people to know that you're engaged. You're getting married. This is happening. You show the ring off. You announce to people um, that you're engaged. The first parable about a lamp coming out and being put on a shelf, is Jesus, in one sense, telling us, saying to us, hey, guess what? Through me and through the miracles and through the preaching, I am making known to you the kingdom of God has come. He's like letting people know. He's telling people, hey, guys, the kingdom is not a secret. It's not a secret, and it's not intended to be a secret. I'm not here to like hide under the bed. I'm not here to kind of like hide my engagement ring in, in that kind of uh, story. I'm not here to hide under a bed. The kingdom is not to be you know, in secret amongst a little huddle. Jesus is telling this parable to let people know the kingdom has come and we are making it known. He's making it known. It's being shining out. People are seeing. He wants people to see and people to know that the kingdom of God has come. People who may be embarrassed. We saw the story at the end of uh, uh, Mark 3. We saw the story of his family who are essentially trying to quieten him down. They're trying to say, hey, Jesus, stop talking about this. You've gone crazy. Do you remember that story? I mean, imagine someone telling Jesus he's gone crazy. Like, Jesus, keep quiet. You've gone crazy. What's going on? Is, 
is Jesus is beginning to send waves. The kingdom of God has come. The waves are going throughout the, the area. And his family starting to feel embarrassed. They're like, oh, Jesus, like, stop doing this thing. Because if you carry on doing this thing, like, there may be ramifications on us. Like, if you disrupt the whole social fabric of society at that time, like, it could look bad on us. We're starting to feel embarrassed. Jesus, keep quiet. Can you take this lamp and put it under the bed, rather? Can you, like, just keep it in secret? Like, instead of this going out to everyone, instead of you making big waves, instead of, you know, this thing going national, Jesus, let's put it under the bed. Let's just keep quiet. Jesus, don't have these big gatherings. His family is like, shh, come, Jesus, come home. Uh, he was at home, but, you know, Jesus, come, we'll take you away. Um, because this is... This is starting to get out of hand. But Jesus says this. He says, the kingdom of God is like a light. And a light is not intended to be hidden. The kingdom of God is like the light of the world, which Christ is. And it's not intended to be hidden. We can't do the kingdom in secret. It is going to be made known. I don't know if sometimes you feel, whether because of the pressure of society or the pressure of friends, or like God is doing something in your life, and you kind of feel like what God is doing needs to be put under the bed, needs to be hidden. You don't know if you can tell anyone about it. This is pressure sometimes when people are like, we don't want you to be like too fanatical. Like, don't tell that story. Don't be too excited about religion. There's two things you don't talk at at the dinner table. What's it, religion and politics? Um, you know, so like, just, just keep quiet. Take your faith. Take the kingdom of God at work in your life and put it under the bed. Keep it that secret. So that when you go home, when you're at home by yourself, you can like bring it out for yourself. And it can be this personal, private thing. Between you and God. What Jesus is saying is the kingdom is not that. It's not just a personal private matter. When the kingdom of God breaks out in any space. It's like a light that gets pulled out. And it gets put up in a very prominent space. It becomes made known. This is what the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God, it sends waves. It goes beyond just the personal and the private. He then goes on and he tells another parable. He tells the most interesting parable. It is the one parable that all the commentators like kind of are left scratching their heads because it's in one sense it's quite a confusing parable uh, it's the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of god uh, jesus says it's like a farmer that goes and throws seeds on the ground then goes to sleep <laughs> and then it grows and no one knows how i mean you know how it grows someone waters it plant it like but in one sense it's quite a, a confusing parable it's it's this parable of the 
kingdom of God is like the seed that just gets scattered, but it just grows. It grows, it grows, it grows almost unassisted is in one sense what the parable is saying. And he follows on that parable with growth about saying that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. And um, this illustration is probably not great for most of us because who has ever seen a mustard tree? No one. That's amazing. None of us have seen a mustard seed. Mustard tree. So we might have seen a mustard seed because you can go and buy them and like, people crush them and they make stuff and they use stuff. So we've probably seen a mustard seed. It's like a little round seed like this and it is quite small. But we haven't seen a mustard tree. So some of the illustration is lost on us because we go like, when he says it's big, is it big like an oak? You know, is it like a bougainvillea? Like, what, what is it like? But I think what Jesus is really trying to tell us is that the kingdom of God starts like a seed, really small. And it grows into something unbelievably significant. It grows into something that gives life beyond itself. The kingdom of God, when, when I was young, uh, I used to live with my grandparents and they, they had an like a really old, really big erythrina in their garden, quite central in their garden. Um, and erythrina is, is like, it can be a coral tree. It's like quite, can get quite bare, but it has those like bright orange flowers and it has lucky beans, like those little ones, not those big ones. You know, those like little ones. And we used to love them as kids in my grand's garden. We'd collect them and... Uh, what was amazing is that this tiny little lucky bean uh, seed, little orange seed with the black, black part on it, tiny little thing, grew up into this significant tree that we would plant. And it was a difficult tree to plant because they're not like, easy to climb and they've got thorns and stuff. And, um, but you know, it was filled with life and then it was colorful and it was just this really great tree that we loved in my grandparents' garden. Jesus is saying like the kingdom of God is like a seed, a little seed that gets planted, but as it begins to grow, it grows into something significant that gives life beyond itself. I think what Jesus is telling us in this parable is in the first one, he's telling us the kingdom can't be hidden. It can't be hidden. What God is doing in your life, not only shouldn't it be hidden, but it can't be hidden. You will change. People will take notice. It can't be hidden. The lamp can't be put under the bed. But in the same way, the kingdom of God can't be contained. It's going to grow. It's going to grow significantly. Uh, you know, sometimes we, we want to have a genuine and a real encounter with Jesus. But we hope that that genuine and real encounter in Jesus will just like stay in a small section of our lives. You know, like Jesus, I need this part of my life to change. And so I want to come to you and I hope that you will change this part of, of my life. But you know, all the rest of it, don't touch. Don't touch that part of my life. But Jesus is saying like the kingdom of God is not like that. It's like a seed. It comes into one part and all of a sudden it just grows and it expands. And all of a sudden the, your life is not just for yourself. It begins to impact and bless others. The kingdom of God is growing and expanding. And 
I think what Jesus is trying to say in the parable is that it can't be stopped. The farmer can go to sleep. The farmer can put his, his head on his pillow. But when he wakes up, he's going to find that this seed that was planted has grown. It cannot be contained. The kingdom of God, this Jesus movement that we've been talking about, this Jesus movement, the kingdom of God, the place where the rulership and the reign of Christ is being recognized and adhered to, the kingdom of God is It is being made known. It is coming out. It is expanding. It is growing. And no one is going to stop it. And let's be honest, 2,000 years later, how true is that parable? The kingdom of God has expanded. It has gone beyond a small group of disciples. Jesus and his small group of disciples in Galilee is now spread across the world. In every nation of the world, people will gather and they will celebrate and recognize the rulership of Christ. As much as in every age in different parts of the world, people have tried to contain it. People have tried to hide it. People have tried to to snuff out the kingdom, every time they've had, it's like a light. It comes out. It just cannot be stopped. God's glory, as is prophesied in Isaiah, is making its way throughout the whole earth. And it's doing that through the gospel, through the kingdom of God. It's doing that through your and my life. God's rulership and reign, the kingdom of God, his rulership and reign, the place where his authority is exercised and recognized and submitted to is breaking out. And uh, this encourages me. It encourages me, number one, it's, it's like a rebuke and encouragement at the same time. It's a, it's a rebuke of saying, Jamie, like, how do you think you can just hide this thing under the, the bed? How can you think you can just keep your, your faith private? It's like a rebuke. Stop doing it. Because it's not going to happen. And it's an encouragement to us to say, don't keep your faith private. Bring it out. Let the light shine because the kingdom is shining. And then it's an encouragement. And one of the things that I am really encouraged by in this passage, it's one of the things that I remind myself of, is that the kingdom of God is, starts out small. And the encouragement that Jesus is giving us is that it may start out small, but as, as scriptures say, don't despise the day of small beginnings. You know, don't despise the small little parts in our lives. Sometimes we look at our lives and we think, are we growing? Uh, C.S. Lewis used to say this. He said, every day when he looks back at the previous day, he feels like he's going backwards. But every time he looks back a couple years, he realizes how far forward he's gone. 
And how true that is sometimes when we look at our lives and we wake up in the morning, am I growing? Is anything changing? And then we take, we stop and we reflect not just on yesterday, we reflect on a couple years and we're like, wow, look how far I've come. Because the kingdom of God is like a seed. Every time you look at that seed, you may see little bits of growth, but sometimes you feel discouraged. Is anything happening? But the small, the little, becomes big over time. The kingdom expands. Don't despise the little bit that God is doing in your life right now. It's going to grow. And that encourages me deeply. But I want to end off with probably the most difficult part of these three things. And it's a little section that Jesus tells after the story of the light coming out. And it says, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Interesting passage. I don't know if uh, you've read that any time recently and then scratch your head afterwards. And you're like, what? And we live in South Africa, which means in one sense, this passage is quite controversial. Because we live in the most unequal society in the world. And because we live in the most unequal society, when you hear something like, say, to the one who has, more will be given, you just go, yeah, that's obvious. And this is unjust. Like, how can Jesus be talking uh, uh, about this? And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And some people are like, yep, I've felt that in my own life. And so it's a... I mean, this is a difficult passage because it hits some nerves in the economic uh, kind of space that we're in. But I want to try and help us understand this section a little bit because this section is about hearing. How can we be a people who hear uh, the gospel, hear the word of God, hear, and how can we be the people who from hearing see growth? Remember, this has come just after the parable of the sower. And the parable of the sower is is this, that the seed gets sown into four different areas. And in four different areas, they've all got seed. But in one sense, three of those areas, the seed gets taken away. It dies. It becomes nothing. But one area... The seed produces fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. We need to read this passage in that context. Is that the seed gets sown and it gets sown into different areas. And for some areas, even though they have seed, that seed eventually dies. Even what they have it will be taken away. It's in that context. And in some areas, those who have the seed gets sown into good soil, as Tabani preached last week. It's sown into good soil, and then what happens to that seed? It starts as one seed, and it produces 30, 60, and 
a hundredfold. For the one who has, more will be given. It's, this story is told in the context of the parable of the sower. And this time, it's told in the context of Jesus saying to the people who are around him, pay attention to what you hear. Listen. Be careful how you listen. In uh, Romans 10, it's, it talks about faith comes by hearing. And by hearing the message of Christ. And in Romans 10, it says, but it's, it, before that, it says this, but how can those who, who don't know, how will they know unless someone preaches to them? And it's in this context that the gospel is preached. And faith comes by hearing of the message of Christ. Hearing of the message of the gospel. What does Paul say? He's saying the kingdom advances in a strange kind of way through the declaration of the kingdom, the gospel, Jesus preaching and telling parables. The kingdom of God is advancing through declaration and hearing. And so Jesus is saying, pay attention to how you listen. If we want the kingdom of God to grow in our lives, if we want to lay hold of the kingdom, Jesus is once is telling us, be people who are good at listening. And um, I want to give us three points and then... We'll close on listening. So, point number one. How can we be good at listening? (laughs) By not talking. I learned that. I did a counseling course once. And uh, they were like, if you want to be a good listener, and then they teach you how to sit, and you have to sit a certain way with your hands in your lap, you know, to make sure you're not, like, doing any specific poses that are putting, like, people off while you're listening to them. But they basically tell you, if you want to be good at listening, what you have to do is just listen. Like, stop talking. And it sounds obvious until you're in a conversation with someone, and all this what you want to do is, like, respond. You know, like halfway through, they tell you something. Um, But we need to be people who are prepared to to listen. And I, I think, like, practically... If we are thinking about listening as coming on a Sunday and being prepared to listen to the word uh, preached, I think there's a couple ways that we can prepare ourselves. Or even if we want to prepare ourselves to listen to God in the scriptures, there's a couple ways that we can prepare ourselves. Number one, when you need to listen, I don't know if you've noticed this, whether it's In a context like this, or whether it's listening to a friend or a spouse or something like this, you're always a worse listener when you are tired. Always. The tireder you are, the worse you are at listening. So, don't come to church tired. (laughs) I, I mean, this is just practical here. I don't know where you're going to find this one right here in the scriptures. But if, if you want to be better at listening, like, don't come to church tired. I don't know if you've noticed this, but it's easier to wake up early than it is to go to bed early. 
Like, it's much easier to wake up early. You set your alarm and you feel like death, but you like crawl out of bed and you switch on the coffee machine and you eventually get going. But try and go to bed early. It's like impossible because then something distracts you and then this and then you're chatting and then I'm like lying in bed and Lisa's like, let's have a conversation. I'm like, no, I'm trying. Like, I'm on time right now. Like, um, you know, or like whatever it is, you're like, oh, I still have to do this, or someone messages you. Um, but it's like really hard sometimes to go to bed. And then on a Saturday night, it's like doubly hard because now the Rugby World Cup's on and the game starts at nine and it's like torture because it finishes at 11 and your adrenaline's going. And so you only go to bed at half past 12 or something stupid like that. And then you wake up and it's Sunday and people are like, what did Jamie preach on this morning? I don't know. I didn't hear anything. (laughs) But we can prepare ourselves to listen, number one, just by going to bed early. Just by not being tired. I've learned, even in my own marriage, that, that the best conversations we have are when we're not at our tiredness. And our worst conversations we have are at like half past 11 at night. Like, no, we have no good conversations at Hopos 11 at night. Like, we, we're going to fight all the way through, like, if we're trying to resolve it there. Because just, you're just tired. Nothing good is happening. So we want to prepare ourselves. Prepare yourself to listen by coming ready to engage. Bring a notebook if that helps you. For me, it helps you. I know for some people it doesn't. It distracts them. But, like, get yourself into the best space to be engaged with what is being said. I've learned this, that sometimes you have to change even your own posture if you want to listen well. Um, so, be, come prepared to listen. Listen to learn. Point number two. Listen to learn. Um, Isaiah 66 talks about this. It says, it says, you know, we are a people who, the, you know, the, the people that God looks upon are the people who are humble and contrite in heart. The people who tremble at His word. It's people who have a reverence for what God has to say. A people who want to learn from Him. You know, some people listen to argue. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, my kids are getting older, and my oldest kid, no names mentioned, um, can sometimes want to argue back, you know? And, and, you know, I was that kid, so I have a bit of sympathy for her. But you, you realize, like... No. Guys, no fingers pointed yet. Other people here apparently as well. But sometimes you listen to just hear the things that you want to argue with. Or, um, I have this often, you preach a whole sermon. And uh, you preach like this sermon and it's like being hard and it's a difficult one and you're challenging people to... 
you know, change. And then like at some point you've said something about like the Lord bless you. And someone will come to you after the sun and they'll be like, yo. Yeah. That word just so encouraged me. The Lord wants to bless me. I'm like, what? Was that, was that the only thing you heard? And, um, and sometimes we listen just to hear what we want to hear. And when we've heard what we want to hear, we just stop listening. We're like, okay, that's it. I've heard what I want to hear. Um, I've just come to get out what I want to hear. But the kind of people that pay attention are the people who come to listen to learn. Who come to submit to the Word of God. To tremble to the Word of God. We are not, I know you've heard me say this before when we've talked about reading the Scriptures. But we are not people who come to master the Scriptures. We are people who come to be mastered by the Scriptures. We're not people who come to stand over the Scriptures with our knowledge and our culture and our ways and impose that onto the Scriptures. We want to be people who are contrite at heart and humble, who are able to listen and learn from the Scriptures. If we want to be good listeners, we come not to hear just what we want to hear. We come to learn from what is said. And then my final point is we listen to put it into practice. Uh, Church and the Bible is not like a university lecture. You don't just learn to accumulate knowledge. You learn to put it into practice. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells the parable. And um, he tells a parable about a wise and a foolish builder. You know, the wise, if, if you grew up in kind of a church circle, you know, You've heard the song about, you know, the wise man builds his house upon a rock and uh, the storms come and it stands and the foolish man builds it on the sand and uh, Salty, I think it was, the singing songbook used to sing that song. My parents used to play it in the car. And, um, and it's the parable of like the difference between the wise and the foolish builder is the one, Jesus says, hears my words and does what? Puts them into practice. I know this might come as a revelation to some of us because we live in like a YouTube world where you can hear some of the best, most encouraging, most insane preachers in the world at your fingertips. You can watch them on YouTube, you can listen to the podcast, and some of them are amazing. When you listen to them, you just feel so encouraged. They just like tell you such amazing things. And we can get into this mindset that church is just about blessing me. I've come to listen to the sermon. And Jamie, when you preach, I need to feel great afterwards. Like I need to be encouraged. I need to feel great. I've just come to hear what I want to hear. To be blessed. To be encouraged. But Jesus is saying his words are not just to tickle our ears and to make us feel good. They are to be put into practice. They are to shape the way that we live. They are to call us not just to know something, but to do something. Jesus' words are to change your life. They are to change your way of life. They are to challenge us in how we live. 
And we want to listen and put into practice. I've learned that in the faith that some things are only really understood when we hear them and put them into practice. It's hard to ever know that it's better to give than to receive. It's hard to know that a life of generosity is better than a life of stinginess until you've put it into practice. The understanding comes after the action. If we want to be a people who listen well, who hear well, who don't just hear, and then once we walk out the door, our hearing's gone, the seed is gone. If we want to be the kind of people who has and will have more, um, as Jesus tells in that passage, we need to be prepared to listen. Be the kind of people who want to listen. Who listen to not just hear what we want to hear, but to learn. And we need to be the kind of people that take the words of Christ and put them into practice. Can I pray?